Sports Scripts with Decrom is brought to you by Top Choice Athletics, the number one company in customized sports equipment and apparel, specializing in baseball, basketball, soccer, volleyball, tennis, golf, and of course, football. All apparel and equipment can be customized according to your needs. To stay tuned to exciting sports news and deals, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Top Choice Athletics and follow them on Twitter at RealTCAthletics. Check out their awesome products and order online today from TopChoiceAthletics.com. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. NFL Week 9 is upon us, and that means we will officially reach the halfway point of the 2018 season at some time on Sunday afternoon. Week 8 didn't bring us quite as many exciting finishes as we've been used to seeing on a weekly basis this year, and Thursday night's Raiders-Niners game was a classic stinker. I turned it off right at the start of the second half, Hal. It, it, it was it was that bad, man. But with Rams-Saints and the battle for NFC supremacy, plus Rodgers v. Brady Part 2 on tap for Sunday, I think Week 9 should provide us with far more heart palpitations than Week 8 did. What do you think, Hal Bent? Oh, I definitely agree, David. Rams-Saints is should be an epic matchup the teams are combined 14 and 1 and you've got the greatest quarterback of all time going against the greatest quarterback of this era in prime time that sounds like a recipe for a great weekend of nfl football indeed hal and we will talk about those two games in depth in just a bit but first let's uh, talk about some takeaways from week eight and here's one of mine the Jameis winston experiment in tampa must end and end now Ryan Fitzpatrick will start again this week for the Bucks as they take on the Panthers, and for good reason. Jameis Winston, I think he's at a point where he's beyond repair. He just keeps throwing ill-advised interception after interception after interception. The lows are far more than the highs. He's an erratic quarterback, plus his off-the-field problems have not been addressed. The Jameis Winston era in Tampa is over. You have to pull the plug on Jameis Winston after this year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Ooh, I agree, David. It is a tough time in Tampa, and even go to the team with that pick the quarterback number two that same year, and Tennessee is sitting at three and four with that same record. And how long are they going to hold off Jacksonville? They've got Indianapolis breathing down their neck now, and Houston looks primed to run away with that division. And the Titans, who were a preseason favorite of everyone, are suffering with Marcus Mariota not picking up the slack. And it's the those two quarterbacks that now, four years in, I'm not quite sure those either of those teams are set at quarterback now and may need to reshuffle their plans looking at the second half of this season. Indeed, Hal, I completely agree. Marcus Mariota is not quite at the point Jameis Winston is at right now, but he's getting very, very, very close. So both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota could wind up being busts in the very, very near future. And speaking of busts, can you think of any major head coaching hire that's been a bigger bust in the past 20 plus years than Hugh Jackson? Just three wins to show for it in two and a half seasons? I mean, why did it take so long to fire Hugh Jackson, Cleveland Browns? You should have fired him last year. 
why did you hang on to him and get rid of Sashi Brown? Sashi Brown gave you all these talented players, and Hugh Jackson just did not put them in the best position to succeed. What t- took them so long? And the fact that they have Greg Williams as the interim head coach only adds insult to injury. I mean, I, I was amazed when Cleveland brought in Greg Williams as defensive coordinator, let alone now that they hand him the keys for the second half of the season. I mean, I understand it's an interim title, but this man does not belong as a head coach of a peewee football team, let alone the Browns. And I don't know if they were just looking for the, the worst option they could find other than Hugh Jackson, but the mess continues in Cleveland And they have to be very, very careful because they finally found a quarterback and now the coaching situation is crumpling around them. And this could be another lost season in Cleveland due to a bad decision by the management group this offseason. You said it, Hal, and I am hoping and praying to God that John Dorsey is looking at a long list of quarterback minds to be his next head coach. Oh, he should be. And, you know, uh, there's a few of them that are out there. Um, John Filippo, right at the top of the list right there. The work he did with Nick Foles last year should make him Cleveland's number one prize in this offseason. Yes, and another guy they like is Matt Campbell, who is currently the head coach at Iowa State. And Iowa State's football program, that Big 12 team, it's a program on the rise. Uh, They had some uh, nice talent last year with uh, Alan Lazard, who went undrafted. And this year they got David Montgomery, a running back, who might be the first running back off the board in the draft. Uh, They have been quietly making some noise in the Big 12 these past couple years. So that is another candidate to keep your eye on. Yes. So for Cleveland, you got half a season. Let's figure it out. Let's get the right coach and not have another Hugh Jackson experience there. Oh, I totally agree, Hal. What were some of your other takeaways from week eight? Well, I'll give you two names, Chris Clark and Taylor Moten, the those unknown offensive tackles for Carolina who allowed zero sacks to the Baltimore Ravens defense who I've been slobbering over all season as a premier defense in the NFL probably the only premier defense and Carolina Panthers what a performance they put on last week and especially those two tackles standing up to that strong Baltimore pass rush and allowing the Carolina Panthers to stay right on the heels of the New Orleans Saints at five and two and the continued growth of their quarterback Cam Newton as they seem to be taking a little step forward week after week after week and now Carolina's in position are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender coming out of the NFC Oh, very, very good point, Hal. I remember just uh, several weeks ago, early in the season, we talked about Norv Turner as an early leader for assistant coach of the year. I think he continues to have that lead, if not he's added to it by a lot. That that performance against Baltimore, I mean, putting up 36 points, 386 yards of total offense, no turnovers, no sacks allowed, that was a virtuoso performance, and it's nice to see North Turner having that effect and getting the most out of Cam Newton in that offense. Yes, plus the beauty of it is that a lot of people, when North Turner was hired, were saying, oh, he is going to 
make Cam Newton a square peg in a round hole. He's going to make him take uh, seven-step drops all day, throw deep balls all day behind a leaky offensive line. Uh, it's not going to work, but the opposite has happened. Norv Turner is letting Cam be Cam and has adjusted his system to feature the best of Cam's strengths. He's done an excellent job of that, and and you see DJ Moore growing in that offense even more. Their young wide receiver, um, you know, getting Greg Olson back to to health has had a huge impact on that offense, and it looks like the best is yet to come in Carolina. You said it, Hal, and we look forward to watching the Panthers again this weekend. But before we preview our games, let's talk about this trading deadline. And as advertised, there were several big-time moves at the trading deadline a couple days ago. The Denver Broncos shipped Demarius Thomas to the Houston Texans. The Philadelphia Eagles acquired Golden Tate from the Lions. And the Los Angeles Rams, who needed help on the edge, acquired Dante Fowler Jr. from the Jaguars. Which of those contenders made the best deal? Texans, Eagles, or Rams? That's a tough one because, I, you know, the Rams, that was that missing piece, that pure speed edge rusher flying around the end. Um, however, the Eagles really needed a little bit of a boost on their offense to, to take some pressure off of that defense, which has been struggling little more than usual this year than any more than anyone expected I think um but for the Texans they've been trending upward five straight wins and to add any offensive weapon out to opposite of DeAndre Hopkins to have Demarius Thomas there a big weapon other side of the field you've still got KK Kutke when he's healthy to work in the slot that just takes that Houston offense to another level and I think that was the biggest move at the trading deadline was the Texans getting Demarius Thomas oh absolutely especially in light of Will Fuller going down for the year with the torn ACL exactly you lose that deep threat but now you have that outside presence and it frees you up you know you can use Hopkins in in any different ways to move him around more because you have that receiver outside the numbers in Demarius Thomas who can take over that role and which of those three teams do you think made the worst deal well you know mm, the Rams giving up a pair of draft picks for Dante Fowler, I mean, he does still have the potential to be a bust on the edge, and the Rams may put him in there and get absolutely nothing out of him, um, as hard as that is to believe with all the talented pieces around him. But he's been surrounded by talented players coming from Jacksonville and hasn't made an impact to this point yet. That's a big risk in a third and a fifth round draft pick. The Rams might have given up too much for too little. Yes, and also you have to consider the fact that Dante Fowler Jr. is just uh, literally a half a football season away from hitting unrestricted free agency. Exactly, and you know the the Rams still have some people they need to play to pay over there as well, and they may have some money coming off the books, but you know I'm not sure it's going to go Fowler's way. And a half season for two picks is a tough trade to make, unless you're all in for the Super Bowl, which we know those Rams are. 
They most certainly are, but their biggest test of the season comes this Sunday as they travel to the Big Easy to face the Saints at the Superdome in a battle for NFC supremacy. Whoever wins the game will be the number one seed in the NFC by the end of the week. And we saw the Packers defense last week give us the perfect blueprint for slowing down the Rams offense, and you can expect the Saints to follow suit. However, Cooper Cup is expected to return for the Rams this week from that MCL sprain. How much easier does Cooper Cup's presence make it for the Rams to execute against such a defensive game plan? Oh, it, it's a huge difference maker because he's the, the quintessential chain mover in that offense. Cup can run any route at any depth, and he has the ability to create that separation and extend those drives and not make the Rams so dependent on, you know, trying to make a big play down the field in order to pick up chunk yardage. They can get back to pounding Todd Gurley picking up the first downs with Cup on third and five and loosening up those defenses to allow them when they do take that shot with Brandon Cooks that there's no extra safety help and the teams aren't playing that far back and taking away those plays. You said it, Hal, and the Rams really struggled on third down last week because in large part Cooper Cup wasn't there to give Jared Goff that immediate target to get rid of the ball quickly. Exactly. And other than Gurley coming out of the backfield, he doesn't have that kind of receiver. And, you know, all you need is a defensive end to chip on Gurley there. And without Cooper Cup, you've got some good pieces, but they're down the field and intermediate threats. They're not somebody that's going to be running that short four yard pickup route there. They're further down the field. And we saw that effect. The offense has really slowed down for the Rams without Cooper Cup on the field. Yes, and they are going to be absolutely delighted to have it back for this critical game on Sunday. And meanwhile, the Saints will be without a very underrated piece on defense. Rookie defensive end Marcus Davenport, who they surrendered two first-round picks to trade up for in last April's draft, he appeared to be hitting his stride these last few weeks, but he is out at least a month with a toe injury. How limited will the Saints be from a scheming perspective on defense without Marcus Davenport's services this Sunday? Oh, they'll, they'll be pretty limited in that regard because, again, Davenport has added that that rusher opposite of Cam Jordan to bring that consistent pressure and take the pressure off of that secondary that really struggled early on in the season. We saw that defense getting lit up by the Buccaneers by Atlanta early in the year, and we all said, what's wrong with the Saints? But again, it wasn't the pass rush aligned with that coverage. They need that rush to, at the three-second point, get to that quarterback and not force the that secondary to, to hold their coverage for four, five, six seconds. And that's where the Rams were having those big breakdowns down the field. And the addition of Davenport stepping up, especially after that Falcons game, he really started to come into his own. And that's a huge loss for New Orleans. And we're probably going to see the effects of that on the field against Los Angeles. 
I agree, Hal, but there is another component to that Saints pass rush that should give New Orleans a lot of hope on Sunday, and that is Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins, obviously their first-round draft choice in 2016. He is finally playing like the player we expected him to become when we draft picks were talking about him leading up to that 2016 NFL draft. He is becoming a monster penetrator on the interior, and given the damage Kenny Clark did against this Rams interior offensive line last week, Sheldon Rankins, uh, he could play a very pivotal role this week, and that is a player that the Rams are going to have to pay very close attention to outside of Cameron Jordan. They really will. I mean, Rankins is really going to have to continue stepping up his game because, as we mentioned, you know, there's there's Jordan on the outside. There was Davenport. Um, other than Rankins in the middle, you're looking at, you know, maybe blitzing Demario Davis more in order to generate pressure. And if you've got Cooper Cup back for the Rams, you want that linebacker in the middle of the field. You don't want him abandoning and leaving that area of the field wide open in order to blitz. So there is a lot of pressure on Sheldon Rankins to continue his ascension and continue to make an impact as that interior pass rusher without Davenport on the field. You're absolutely right as always, Hal. And now let's talk about some other potential game-deciding matchups. And I start where it all begins, up front. And when you look at the Rams' defense with uh, Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue leading the charge, and now you add Dante Fowler, albeit I think this week he might be on a bit of a pitch count because it's a new scheme he'll be getting used to. Uh, Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, the Saints may have the best offensive line in football this year. They easily have the best group of tackles right now with Teron Armstead at left tackle and Ryan Ramchick at right tackle and that interior offensive line with Max Unger, Larry Warford, and Andrew Speet. This is going to be their toughest challenge yet. I think the Saints offensive line is more than capable of going toe-to-toe with Aaron Donald and Adama Sue and winning their fair share of reps against them. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a very, very talented interior. You're talking Andrus Pete, first-round pick just a couple years ago. Max Unger, we know how good he played for those Seattle teams. Veteran Larry Warford all those years in Detroit. That is a very, very deep interior uh, offensive line that not a lot of teams can roll up there against Sue and Donald and, and Michael Brockers, uh, you know, stunting in the middle there. So it's going to be a very, very interesting game right there in the trenches. And whoever can make that impact, um, you know, if the Saints can hold off that Rams pass rush, now you start looking at, okay, how are they going to attack Sam Shields and Marcus Peters and a nickel Roby Coleman there with those weapons in the passing game? Because as talented as those cornerbacks are, they haven't had to be tested because of that Rams pass rush has taken a lot of pressure off for them, off of them, and they may have their first real, real test so far without that pass rush backing them up and forcing them to stay into coverage longer. And who do you see coming out ahead in this game? Well, I, I, I'm going to give it to the Saints because they're playing at home. They're playing so well right now. I'd, I'd like to think they're going to figure out a way to generate that pass rush pressure. I think we're going to see a lot of those Saints running backs putting some pressure, trying to mitigate that pass rush as well with quick passes to Alvin Kamara, uh, Mark Ingram running hard inside the tackles. So I, I got it close, maybe even overtime, but the Saints pulling it out at home, 31-28 over the Rams. 
Beep, 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 beep. That's our simpatico alert. And once again, oh. we are simpatico here. I have the Saints winning 31 to 27 for those exact same reasons. I think the limitations of the Rams defense are going to be exploited brilliantly by Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in that passing game. Also, Mark Ingram running the ball up the gut. Uh, will definitely expose some of the holes of that Wade Phillips defense. And the fact that they're at home gives them an edge. Plus, uh, I haven't really seen Jared Goff uh, as great as he has been this year. I am yet to see him step up in the face of adversity. Uh, you could say he did so in a way last week, but it wasn't uh, in the way that an Aaron Rodgers would have done it. And heck, had Ty Montgomery not fumbled that ball, I think the Packers would have won that game, don't you? Oh, definitely. They were on. I, I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers at the end of a close game like that. No way, no how, if he gets the ball in his hands. Exactly. And I don't see the ball bouncing that way again for them this week. I take the Saints 31 to 27. And speaking of the Packers, Packers Patriots on Sunday Night Football, Rodgers Brady 2.0, a battle between two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Can't get any better than that, can it? No, you really can't. I mean, it's, you know, you look at the NFL scheduling and you say, this is really only the second time these two are matching up against each other. Rodgers, you know, in 2010 was out with a concussion, missed that game uh, against the Patriots. So we've really only got that that great primetime game from 2014 where uh, the Patriots defense couldn't get Rodgers off the field at the end of the game. And, And you saw Tom Brady there with the you know, sitting on the bench, literally steaming, you know, you could see the air condensing around him and the steam coming out of him as he sat there frustrated. So it should be a great matchup with these two great leaders on each side uh, going up here on a primetime Sunday night game. Yes, but we should also be paying a lot of attention to this Green Bay Packers defense who came to play against the Rams last Sunday. And a lot of that was in part to Kenny Clark and his amazing performance rushing the passer. And when you look at Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, these uh, interior linemen might be the Packers' two most important defenders of this game because in order to pressure Tom Brady, you have to do it from the middle. And Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are as good of a combo at that as there is in the league. So how difficult a test will Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels be for these Patriots' interior offensive linemen? Well, that's a big test to begin with. But now the Patriots are going to be without Shaquille Mason. Shaq Mason's probably their best interior offensive lineman. He's already been ruled out for this game. He'll be replaced by Ted Karras, who's got an NFL name with his uncle, obviously the Hall of Famer. but And the Blazing uh, not- Saddles actor. Exactly. Don't, don't discount that. Mongo was a wonderful performance. Absolutely. But, you know, Shaq Mason is really the glue of really the best player on that New England offensive line. And he doesn't get a lot of press. And, you know, he really is an all pro guard at this point. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a team pull their guard as often as the Patriots do with Shaq Mason to sell a play action passing down and have him not only pull, but then pick up the defensive end on the other side of the field. 
I mean, the athleticism that he has and, and to be missing him due to injury this week, it's going to take a lot away from that offense. And with the Green Bay Packers built around that interior pass rush, that is a huge loss for the Patriots and a huge advantage for Green Bay on Sunday night. Ooh, you just may be even more excited to watch the trenches on Sunday night, Hal. That could be a game changer, that Shaq Mason injury. I expect Tom Brady to get rid of the ball even quicker, though, but still, uh, you can't write off anything in the NFL. And speaking of Tom Brady, when he studies this Packers defense on film, a guy that also has to catch his eye is their stud rookie cornerback, Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander was an absolute monster last week against Brandon Cooks. He was breaking up passes left and right, sticking his nose into the run game. Jair Alexander just could do it all. He is turning out to be one of the biggest steals of the first round of this 2018 NFL draft. So if you're Tom Brady... Do you think you'll be tempted to avoid throwing to Jair Alexander as much as humanly possible? Because this guy, he, you just have to expect that he's going to win more than his fair share. Yeah, I mean, he's really standing out as, you know, um, much like Denzel Ward in, in Cleveland as well. These cornerbacks are coming NFL ready out of college at this point. And, and you look at that Green Bay secondary, you've got Jair Alexander, you've got second round pick Josh Jackson, you've still got Kevin King there, Traymon Williams, Bashad Breland. They are deep in the secondary at this point, and they have a lot of guys they can throw out and cause a lot of problems. And you, you look at the New England offense and you say, all right, you know, it's going to be a matter of those matchups and you know is it another game where they're going to have to string together drives of 10 12 plays lean on running back James White um, you know is Rob Gronkowski healthy enough to contribute uh, with that offense because he's clearly been limited these past couple of weeks and taking away a weapon from Tom Brady is he's barely factored into the offense Jair Alexander will be another name to watch on Sunday night. And when you look at both teams' offenses, they'll both be without two other key players. For the Packers, Geronimo Allison, that underrated third target for Aaron Rodgers behind Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Jimmy Graham, I should say. So that uh, underrated uh, third target from the wide receiver position um, has already been ruled out for this game. And obviously, Sony Michelle won't be suiting up for the Patriots in this game either. Whose absence will affect their team the most in this game? Oh, it's definitely going to be Michelle. I mean, for the Patriots, it you, you're putting, you know, 50 passes onto Tom Brady's arm by not having Sony Michelle out there. Um, you know, obviously Green Bay, it is a loss, but they do have, you know, some other bodies that they can throw out there. You still have Randall Cobb. We know what Devontae Adams can do. And you've got sixth round pick Equanimous St. Brown. I love saying his name. I'm going to say it as often as I can, but you know, they've got the, the trio of rookie wide receivers behind them as well. And if it's Aaron Rodgers, he's going to find somebody who's open. And, and like you said, don't forget Jimmy Graham. Don't forget, you know, Green Bay can go with a multiple tight end offense. They've got Mercedes Lewis back there as well. They could spring some surprises on New England working those tight ends um, against those New England linebackers, which has been a problem for them throughout this season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you think are some other game-deciding matchups Sunday night in Foxborough? 
Well, I mean, for Green Bay, you know, if Rob Gronkowski is healthy and playing, they're going to have to find a way to stop him. Their defense, they can be a little bit vanilla sometimes in their coverages. And if they're going to try to keep a Blake Martinez on Gronkowski and think that they're going to get away with that, they may have some problems, you know. Um, Somebody who may have been lined up with Gronkowski coming in before he was traded away, you would have thought ha-ha, Clinton Dix might be in that role. And now you're looking at, you know, do they swing a cornerback onto Gronkowski? Um, How are they going to match up with him? Does Nick Perry play into that at all? So, very intriguing to see how Green Bay is going to try to make sure that Gronkowski isn't bound back this week with a big game and moving that New England offense down the field. Nobody can humanely cover Gronk, but you can. all you can do is try to contain him, man. That's all there is to it. So I think the Packers' challenge is trying to find ways to bracket him to force Bray to go to Hogan and Edelman more often. Yeah, I mean, Edelman is has really, you know, stepped in and hasn't lost a step here for New England. And, and, you know, you'll see him between the chains, but a lot of teams this year have focused a lot of attention on taking him away. And we really haven't seen that big impact of Josh Gordon, or as you said, Chris Hogan as well this year, making them pay on the outside. And, and that's something Brady may have to do is test those cornerbacks on the outside and try to make them pay for flooding the middle and taking away Gronkowski and Edelman. Plus, uh, you have to take into account that Josh Gordon was disciplined last week by having his snap count cut in half because he was late to a team meeting. And Josh Gordon, if there was any week to prove your worth to the Patriots, this is it. With the Packers coming in hungry and desperate for a win, they're going to do everything they can to take Gronk away, as Hale just said. And uh, Julian Edelman can't pick up the slack for Gronk's absence all by himself. You have to step up this week, Josh Gordon, and have the game of your life of your Patriots career. Josh Gordon, this is your big opportunity. Don't waste it. And who do you have prevailing in Rodgers Brady 2.0? Well, you know, I I really think that that Patriots interior offensive line is going to be a huge Achilles heel this week. We've seen it so many times in the past when that pressure comes up the gut on Brady that disrupts that whole offense. So I think New England's going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to score at times, but they're not going to be able to do enough to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. And I see Green Bay in another close game pulling it out 34-31. We are not simpatico on this one, Hal. I think your New England Patriots prevail by a similar score of 34 to 30, albeit in a very close game that will likely come down to whoever has the ball last. And you don't bet against any of these quarterbacks when they have the ball last with the game on the line. So we can't wait for Sunday night at Foxborough, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. It doesn't get any better than that. And before we preview the rest of this week's games, we have a new feature here on Sports Crunch, our Top Choice Athletics Trivia Question of the Week. The winner of this weekly contest will be the recipient of some of the best sporting equipment from our friends at Top Choice Athletics. This week's trivia question is simply to name the birthplace, city, and country of Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson, whose place at number one on the all-time points list in NFL history was broken this week by future Hall of Famer Adam Vinatieri. So once again, this week's trivia question, name the birthplace, 
just city and country of Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson, and the winner will be announced on next week's show, so stay tuned. And now, moving on to our rapid-fire prediction, starting with the Cleveland Browns and interim head coach Greg Williams, playing host to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I see the Chiefs winning this one 31-17. The Browns' defense, I think, keeps it close at the beginning, but the Chiefs pull away in the second half. Yeah, I think Cleveland is going to be a little dispirited this week. I don't see it quite that close. I've got Kansas City in a laugher, 38-20. to 20. Well, that wouldn't surprise me, given the fact that Greg Williams' coverage schemes are the absolute worst out of any defensive mind in the NFL. The absolute worst. I'm not kidding. And the Pittsburgh Steelers staying in the AFC North... They travel to Baltimore hoping to get some revenge on the Ravens who absolutely kicked their butt at Heinz Field earlier this season. The Steelers are, I believe, uh, just a half a game out of first place in the AFC North at the moment. But the Ravens are in urgent need of a win after dropping two straight. I think the Ravens' defense actually bounces back in this game and they eke out a 24-20 squeaker over the Steelers. Ooh, I like that, but I see it going the other way. I think Pittsburgh, they're playing with a lot of emotion right now for that whole area, and I think we're going to see Pittsburgh go into Baltimore and walk away with a hard-fought 20-16 to win. Oh, very, very good point, Hal, and you also have to consider that a friend of a longtime Steelers employee was one of the victims of that atrocity. And if you want to talk about upset specials, the Chicago Bears traveling to Buffalo to take on Nathan Peterman and the Buffalo Bills. This game is going to be ugly and low scoring, but I'm going with the Buffalo Bills defense eking it out at home 13 to 10 in my upset special of the week. I'd just like that Bills defense to win one or two more games for them this year. That is a bold prediction there, David. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring and ugly, but I don't see that Buffalo offense putting up many points. And I have it Chicago 17, Buffalo 6. Oh, the Bears fan in me hopes you are right about that, Hal. And staying in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings, after self-destructing, after Adam Thielen's costly fumble last Sunday night against the Saints, look to right the ship this Sunday afternoon with a win at home against the Lions. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Vikings get that win 30-27. to Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've got it a little lower scoring than that. I've got Minnesota 24, Detroit 17. Uh, Detroit might be a little bit down with uh, Golden Tate traded away and uh, kind of an acknowledgement that, hey, this is a rebuilding season. The players might need a little time to bounce back from that. I totally agree. Losing to the Seahawks of the way they did last week does not bode well for the Lions the rest of the way. Uh, Sam Darnold and the New York Jets have been struggling as of late, but they have an opportunity to right the ship against Brock Osweiler and the Miami Dolphins. And I actually think the Jets do right the ship. And I think they play for pride for Todd Bowles this Sunday and win one for Todd Bowles 20-16. to yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, Miami just seems to be crumbling after that 3-0 and start. And, you know, you're almost at the point of wondering, you know, when are they going to find a W here in Miami? Because after the Jets, you start getting into the Packers. You still have the Patriots again. The Colts are playing better. The Vikings and Jags are on their schedule. So it's really for Miami to stay in the playoff picture a must win. But, oh. You know, Brocktober is over. Sorry, it's the Jets 23-20 to over the Dolphins. 
I completely agree there, Hal. And the Carolina Panthers, who we talked about early in the show, they host Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just lost by a last-second field goal to the Bengals last week. I think the Buccaneers find a way to keep it close, but you just can't bet against the Panthers the way they're playing right now. And I think the Panthers are going to give the Saints a run for their money for the rest of the season. Panthers 34, Bucks 27. Yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with you on that, David. Caroline is just playing way too well and at home as well. We might see a little Fitz magic early on in the game, but Carolina pulls away 30 to 20. And staying in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons face a must-win game against the first place Washington Redskins, who sit at 5-2 and two atop the NFC East right now. And the Atlanta Falcons, they have a high-octane offense, but their interior offensive line is just a mess right now. Uh, Brandon Fusco and Andy Levitre are both out for the year and going against those big Buddhas with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen uh, and, and that rotation up front for the Redskins. It's going to be a nightmare for them. And that's why I see the Washington Redskins and Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson doing enough damage against that Falcons defense to eke out a 28-21 victory. Yeah, I've got it pretty close to that as well, David. You know, the those injuries to Keanu Neal and, and Deion Jones have really, you know, really hurt Atlanta this year. And you can see it on the field. That defense just can't make a stop when they need to. I've got it Washington 27, Atlanta 16. And we alluded to the trade, the Broncos trading Demarius Thomas to the Houston Texans this week. The Denver Broncos host the Houston Texans on Sunday. Talk about strange. The NFL is a strange league. Sunday's Texans-Broncos game only adds to that legacy. And I just can't bet against the Texans the way they're playing right now. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been on fire. Uh, the Broncos' uh, secondary is going to be decimated heading into this game. And although I do think the Broncos' uh, defense will get their fair share of good plays against uh, Deshaun Watson, I have the Texans pulling away in the end 30-17. to 17. Yeah, I, I agree that this one probably not going to be too close. I have it Houston 24-16, to 16 and, you know, injuries or not, boy, Bradley Roby, he's had a target on him all season long. And whether, you know, the ankle injury keeps him out or not— it's not going to make a difference because nobody's slowing down Houston right now. Indeed. And a very underrated matchup Sunday afternoon in Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks have quietly won four of their last five. Yes, the Legion of Boom might be no more, but Pete Carroll still knows how to win. And I think they're playing with a lot of emotion after Paul Allen's unfortunate passing due to the relapse of aggressive non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I've I've got Seattle winning this game at home. I I like the Chargers. They, you know, they're a very good team. But I've underrated Seattle every step of the way. I've been picking against them constantly this year. Okay, Pete Carroll, I'm buying in. You're young. You're hungry again. You've got a great leader in Russell Wilson. I'm saying Seattle 24 to 21 over the Chargers. I am going to actually disagree with you here, Hal. I think the Chargers win this game, albeit it's going to be a very, very close game, because I think the Chargers' defense 
is capable of making more big plays than the Seahawks defense is right now. And it's going to be a close game, but the Chargers make more big plays on defense to pull out a 27 to 24 nail biter. And last but not least, Monday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans travel to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And I just can't trust this Tennessee Titans offense now. I just can't. That, that, that's all there is to it. Plus, uh, this Cowboys defense is a very, very underrated unit. And Marcus Mariota, as you said in the beginning, he is inching ever closer towards bust status with which Jameis Winston is already at. So uh, the Cowboys, I think, have the upper hand in this game and they win a close but hard fought 2016 victory. Yeah, Dallas is always good in prime time. You know, they've got the eyes of the nation, Cowboy Nation all over the place looking for them. And, you know, working into Amari Cooper onto that offense as well. I've got an easy win for Dallas, 21 to 10 over Tennessee. And now it's time for bold predictions. And in this segment, Hal and I offer our bold predictions for week nine. And I will go first here. The Houston Texans with J.J. Watt. Jadeveon Clowney, Whitney Merciless, and DJ Reader, and the Denver Broncos with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Shaquille Barrett. Those two defensive fronts combined for more than 12 sacks. Wow. Wow, that is bold. And, you know, as much as Ty Montgomery ruined my Rams pick, I, I'm staying the course, okay? It's not going to be 7-4. and four. It's going to be 8-3. and three. We're looking at New Orleans, Seattle, Kansas City, I'm I'm sticking with my pick here. The Rams, I still like them to be in the Super Bowl, but they're going to start losing some games here. They can't keep pulling out these close games. They're not going to run over everybody. The defenses catch up to the offenses every year. That's just the way the NFL is. So the Rams, your three-game losing streak instead of a four-game losing streak is coming. Watch for it. And last but not least, we conclude with our challenge flags. And Hal, what is your challenge flag for the week? Well, my challenge flag is going out to Josh Rosen. He was probably one of my favorite of the rookie quarterbacks coming out, ready to play right, right away. He doesn't play this week, just just letting you know. Oh, now you're telling me that. Jeez. <laughs> but again, Arizona, this team... I'll I'll throw the flag to the whole team. This team had the look of a two and fourteen, three and thirteen team. They're two and six right now. They've got you know the pressures on for Steve Wilkes. Um, you've got Byron Leftwich taking over on uh, the offensive coordinator duties from Mike McCoy. I don't care who you're playing at quarterback. You get David Johnson more involved in that offense. Hopefully he's back from the concussion this week to be able to play. And you've got to take advantage starting this week, a tough game uh, after the after the bye week against Kansas City. You've still got the Chargers and the Packers, but this team needs to get itself pulled together in this bye week and come back against the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Chargers and start making some noise and finish with at least six or seven wins because this team showed a lot last week against Kansas City after getting blown out by Denver and Arizona, the pressure's on you to come back from this bye and come out and win five or six games for me. And Josh Rosen, show me what you can do, kid. Josh Rosen showed you part of what he could do by engineering a brilliant game-winning drive last Sunday against the 49ers, as you said. And my challenge flag goes to the Los Angeles Rams. 
Rams, you are a very talented football team. You got a brilliant young head coach. You got a rising young star quarterback. You got one of the best offensive weapons in the league in Todd Gurley. And now you'll be the best defensive player in the National Football League in Aaron Donald. But Rams, if you want to be the man, you have to beat the man. And Drew Brees has been part of the man in the NFC for the past decade or so. And the Saints are going to be a thorn in your side throughout this process. So if you want to assert yourself as Super Bowl contenders, Prove yourself worthy by playing the game of your lives this week against the Saints and coming away with, dare I say, an upset over the Saints. Ooh, upset for an 8-0 team. I like it. Well, I kind of look at it that way because I still view the Rams as underdogs given how they've played against uh, better teams under Sean McVay. Exactly. And New Orleans at home is always, always, always a tough matchup because you know it's going to be loud and it's tough for your offenses to operate there. So I like that challenge, David. I like your challenge as well, Hal. And he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You could catch him on Twitter at HalBent01. And he works for FullPressCoverage.com where you can find his work on things happening around the NFL. And if you're a Patriots fan, you can catch his Patriots-centric work at MusketFire.com and BostonSportPage.com. Hal, it's always fun having you on week after week after week to preview the games in the National Football League. And thank you so much once again for showing so much flexibility in your schedule this week. And I definitely look forward to having you back on next week to preview week 10 as we begin the second half of this wild and crazy 2018 NFL season. David, appreciate it as always and looking forward to some great games this week and a great second half of the NFL. Amen, Hal. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but we'll be back next week for Week 10, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cremel saying so long, as usual, stay awesome, and regardless of your political affiliation, don't forget to vote on Tuesday. Thank you very much, everybody. See you next week.